Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector. And as usual, I have Rob Hirschfeld with me. Rob, hello. Hello, Stephen. Good to talk and with Rob, you. Good to talk with you. And again, these come out once a week, but uh, we've been getting a bunch of new podcasts before the end of the year, which is exciting. These will come out early next year. And uh, we have a new company again, which is fantastic as we keep searching out new technology, new companies. And with us is Jeff Kim, the CEO of Kamesh. Is it Jeff? Is that how I say it? Kamesh IO or is it? It's actually Kamesh. Yeah. Kamesh. Uh, uh, That's right. So it stands for uh, Kinetic Data Mesh and just Kamesh for short. Oh, well, that, well, I like that. That's really good. Uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and a little about the company, and then uh, we'll jump in. I think our guests will uh, really like this conversation, and I expect it to go a bit a bit technical if I don't guess uh, correctly. Terrific. So uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, again, Jeff Kim, CEO here at KMesh. Um, uh, a bit of my background, I, I've been in the kind of distributed cloud infrastructure space for, for uh, close to 20 years now. Um, so a quick kind of overview or soundbite is uh, I was actually the first sales engineer at, at Akamai in the late 19, uh, in 1999. Um, and so it was with them uh, early on when kind of cloud infrastructure wasn't even a category. Um, it was mostly a, a CDN at that time. So uh, was with Akamai there, then um, joined a company called Big Gravity, which focused on video streaming and video CDN delivery. And that was acquired by Tata Communications. Uh, after that, I was president and CEO of a company called CD Networks, uh, which was again a, a you know a CDN and uh, a security uh, company, uh, distributed uh, infrastructure. Uh, we were acquired by KDDI, a large Japanese operator. Uh, after that, I was founder and CEO of a company called NewMob, and we focused on uh, mobile SDK, mobile infrastructure to make mobile apps faster. And uh, at the tail end of last year, we were acquired by Cloudflare. And, uh, and actually, recently, Cloudflare just relaunched that service. So um, if you want to make mobile apps faster, you know, that's over there. Um, and then I'm uh, fairly new here to, to KMesh. I, I've been here for about four months, um, a little bit different, um, really focused in on uh, distributed data and moving, uh, you know, a file system, NoSQL kind of data around. And we can get into what all that means. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a really good topic, I, and I know we'll we'll go back because and talk about CDN because CDN and Edge uh, seem to be having you know it's it's sort of the trailblazer. <laughs> CDN is the trailblazer version of what a lot of people think of with Edge. So I, I want to circle back to that, but I'm I'm super curious about. I assume the K was for uh, Kubernetes. Uh, sort of glad it's not actually to tell you the truth, uh, <laughs> but. It, Data and storage and distributed storage are really like this missing leg in the Kubernetes story. And I'm interested to hear, you know, how, how the company interprets that and how you, you hope to help, help people succeed with, with distributed storage. Great question. So, yeah, I mean, you know, from my perspective, uh, Kubernetes has kind of just swept the market, but, but but really that only happened in, within the past like 12 months. Uh, prior to that, there were other container management and, and whatnot, but really the, the, the kind of the galvanization on um, you know app orchestration uh, uh, and using Kubernetes for that for both data center for for cloud for edge it really is is a recent event and somehow you know it just it just swept the market. It's it's pretty amazing, um, but as, as you kind of focus. Early on, people were confusing 
what what Kamesh did with what um what let's say Kubernetes did, and we had to very clearly define that hey hey what Kubernetes do, does at the container app layer, Kmesh does for the data layer, and there are actually different problem problems with different solutions. And I think that's a really important point. It's it's easy to, for people to think Kubernetes does everything, and it it doesn't. Um, hopefully, listeners here know right. There's networking challenges that we're starting to solve the service mesh layer. There's storage problems that I think are by and large not well solved. Um, in in, a, in multiple dimensions, and so that's what that's why I'm excited to talk through this. But did you exist before Kubernetes, or is, is or was or is the company sort of coming in coming in in parallel from that? Perspective? We're coming in in parallel. We've been around for about two and a half years, so the, so okay. that uh, the team has been working on the technology for a while. Um, and we'll go a little bit more into that. But we started off yeah. as a uh, luster as a service uh, for, for the cloud, and and um, Luster is the, the, the default high performance computing file system used by like, the majority of supercomputers uh, in the world. So think IBM, uh, Big Blue, think Cray, they're all using uh, Luster as the parallel file system underneath. Didn't, didn't Amazon just announce a Luster as a service, service too? Is that create you know, some angst for you uh, that's that's uh, a great point uh, amazing that you you knew that because they just launched that maybe two and a half weeks ago um yeah i'll, I'll tell you knowing the the inner workings there um amazon evaluated a bunch of different uh, file systems and so one of the key values there is that you know and uh people in data centers and i'll give you examples like hedge funds and and uh, you know movie studios and, and all this stuff when they're uh, crunching massive amounts of, of data um, uh, they, that's they're using HPC systems, and so the natural uh, idea is to maybe extend that from on-prem to cloud. And so Amazon evaluated everyone. And so there's you know there's obviously other HPC file systems out there. They evaluated uh, you know the, the the half a dozen uh, different types of options, and eventually they um, they're pretty smart folks over there. They, they they decided on Luster, and so it was almost more. Market validation that the, we, what our company has been focused on for the past two and a half years is the right choice. So in some respects, it's it's okay, yeah, but at the same time, it was a very big big uh, validation and, a, and positive news for us. I would I would agree with that as an assessment. I think that you know when a, a protocol or an underlying technology reaches that type of critical mass, it's it typically makes things from a sales perspective easier from an adoption perspective easier because everybody's like oh okay this is what i should be doing kubernetes is exactly what you described with kubernetes because you know at the you know two years ago in the market it was much more fragmented between different alternatives for container scheduling and and now everybody can sort of say all right I, it's got to work kubernetes first and then you know maybe there's a second choice so which makes so you so you're straddling uh, a, a dominant container manager, you're, st you're, you're straddling a dominant storage backend. How do those things come together? Yeah, very good. So at the, at the okay, so let's talk Kubernetes for a second and sure. it will relate to Edge. Um, Kubernetes is great. Um, you can orchestrate your containers and your app functions and you deploy it everywhere. It's going to be rolling out, you know, in actual commercial and uh, things in the next few years, if, the, if not already. Fantastic. The one issue there, and I think all of us know this, is uh, Kubernetes in a, as a unit has no state, right? So you can run functions and applications and these edge workers and and, and all of that, but they're they're stateless. Um, whereas the data required for applications to function sometimes, well, oftentimes, is, is stateful. 
you, you need to have, you know, users and, and whatnot, an idea of what they're interacting with. And so that's, uh, it's kind of intricate, but that's exactly the problem that we're solving. We make data, uh, which is stateful, interact with Kubernetes, which is stateless, uh, in order for these apps to actually function. Does that kind of, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. No, it's, this is what I think people don't realize with Kubernetes and containers is that, you know, it, it really is a stateless activity for the most part. And then storing data with Kubernetes creates all sorts of, all sorts, and, and I'm laughing because all applications really need to store data. And so all of a sudden you've, you've got this dilemma of where's the data I need? How do I connect to it? Where's the state go? Um, where's the security that I have to, you know, do to store state or for you, it's my containers running in you know, one location. The data I need is in another location. I'm not just going to VPN uh, and, and do that. We just actually, we just did a, a, a w, w land uh, podcast that'll come out before yours, but um, I don't think that's the solution for most stateful data. Is, is, is that a fair summary of, of the problem? It is. It is. And I can actually give you a real-time example. And this kind of cuts to the, the chase of, of this. So a lot of these use cases out there, especially for edge, um, you have this car driving down the road. Let's say it's driving at 60 miles per hour. Um, and this is a little bit futuristic, but it's sending real-time data to these edge compute nodes. Um, and this is, you know, this is, you know, people like Toyota and all the 5G players are all have this kind of use case. Well, as it's driving along the road, it's connecting to an edge compute node in a base station. But then a mile later, it kind of has to hop to an edge compute station uh, location in a, 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 you know, in a cable head end. And then a mile later, it's connected to another edge compute. Well, that's yeah. okay if you have a, you know, uh, you know, a stateless app that really doesn't require anything. But if this is, this car is sending real time data and you need to keep track of it and you need to keep track of, uh, you know, how all the user configs and, and actual real time data streaming is going on, how are you going to sync up and link all this data across three compute nodes? Because it's required. And that's the problem that we solve um, with, uh, with, with, with KMesh. And so it, it's, this isn't just three compute nodes, this is actually three different sites, right? With different latencies and different storage capabilities, you know, you know so, uh, so how do you, so are you, boy, how, I'm just gonna ask this straight out. How are you solving that? Great, great question. Okay, so we're just going straight into into the technology, I guess. Um, yeah, okay. that's, that's, let's because this is this is a really technical problem, um, and I think we're gonna we're gonna we'll unwind it a bit because I think locality is gonna matter, how you store it, but the the simplest one is just what's the basic storage storage mechanism, and then let's figure out how how to make that smarter or smart enough to work in these these use cases. Sure. L- let me answer that question by going almost from a technology perspective, bottom up. Um, So as I mentioned, at at our core, um, we built our technology using Lustre. And Lustre is uh, a a parallel file system used for supercomputers. And one of the benefits of it is it's high IOPS, high throughput, really low latency because it's a supercomputer environment. you know, out in the WAN or internet, you know, sometimes it's, you know, let's say in, you know, 60 milliseconds in the US and 100 50 milliseconds to get to, you know, US to Europe. So definitely not a, 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 a kind of a supercomputer environment. We took that Lustre technology and, and made it work in, in cloud environments and make it made it work in edge environments. Now, the same benefits that 
uh, Lustre provides in in, uh, in a supercomputer environment is that because it's a parallel file system, it can um, interact with the underlying file system really quickly. Okay, um, and that's why it's very effective for uh, HPC workloads. But also the same effect of kicking off parallel threads to to send read and write data can be used to synchronize and uh, across nodes. Okay, and so uh, things like uh, NFS or EFS or even HDFS, which is the underlying file system for like Hadoop, um, don't do uh, a, quite a, a good a, enough job. So we have data that shows like we're we're thirty times faster, um, you know, in in performance tests than like uh, EFS, which is the default file system on 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 Amazon, which is actually one of the reasons why Amazon had to adopt something like Lustre. Um, but you can think the same thing for Azure and, and whatnot. So, but back to your question, how, how we do this. So deployed in our software in every single edge compute node is this powerful uh, you know, parallel file system as the, that, that car is rolling down the street and we set up data flows between these edge nodes. Uh, we're, we're reading and writing incredibly fast. And so the limits there are going to be uh, layer three, layer four network uh, uh, you know, uh, technology. Now we don't get into involved in that. We, there's, you know, obviously the players like uh, like Ericsson and, and and Verizon and Singtel and all these operators that are rolling out 5G. There are you know, virtual network functions for like SD WAN and MPLS and, and and things like that. So we depend on cooperating with the, the existing network infrastructure. But at least on the data syncing and data sending, we are the fastest thing out there. Um, and so if you need to maintain uh, stateful data across these nodes. That's what we're doing by by splitting up these these read and writes into into massively parallel um, you know uh, kind of threads and sending it back and forth. Uh, I know that was a lot, but I, I hope that makes sense. No, it, it it's not. It's great. Um, I, I guess the the thing that I think of in the use case you're describing though is the you know if the the performance of the data and your ability to serve the data quickly is 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 critical, right? I get that, um, but as soon as you cross a network. A lot of those performance characteristics are going to deteriorate uh, with latency and, and distance. So there's an element of you need to put, you know, it, I'll ask it: Are you trying to put the data in the right spot to then take advantage of this high performance store? How, I mean, that that to me is is the miss. I could serve data really quickly from a central location, but as soon as I have to cross multiple hops, it's, it feels to me like that that performance doesn't matter. It's all eaten up by the the network. Uh, okay, good question. So you kind of, uh, to answer that, I'm going to bubble up to our highest kind of vision statement for what KMesh does. Okay. okay. So our goal uh, as a company at the highest level is that we think our, that over the past 20 years that uh, centralized data lakes have been the pervasive architecture for enterprises. Okay. So okay. even if you have apps and IoT and native cloud and all this cool stuff, um, all the data is usually centralized in a single location, whether that's a data center or a cloud. We think our view, our thesis is that over the next 20 years, we're seeing this transformation of um, uh, centralized data lakes into distributed data ponds. Okay. And there's a myriad of, of different reasons for that. It's, it's, it's the adoption of cloud, hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, and then now edge compute. And so this data can no longer be centralized in a single location. We must put it in in different countries, in different regions, in different edges, different base stations, uh, in, in, in order for the, the apps of the future to function. And so, 
you're, you're exactly right, and, and that's what we are attacking. Jeff, that that it scares me. Uh, in in that, you know, one of the reasons you have a data lake is that you're avoiding duplication, um, and if you start segmenting the data. Either if you start segmenting the data, either you're going to have a whole bunch of duplicate data in all these ponds, or you're going to have shards that you then need to replicate and synchronize. And, and it strikes me that the use cases we're describing where it's a user moving, then I'm duplicating data like crazy. How, is that a concern? How do you balance that? Or maybe I'm just worrying about the wrong thing. No, actually, it is a concern. And you're helping me kind of tell you what we do, which is perfect. Um, that's what we actually are focused in on, which is creating a single global namespace, even though there are distributed shards all around the world. So as an enterprise, you have the kind of control, security, uh, you know, uh, and, and uh, ability to look like it's a centralized data lake, but the, but in actuality, they're broken up and partitioned all over the, all over the place. And, and okay. we must adopt this model for, for, for the future to happen. Which, which strikes me as, as the, you haven't used the word metadata yet, but metadata has got to be the key, a key component for this. You're absolutely right. And that's actually what, uh, what Lustre and HPCs are, are, are set up incredibly well to do. This have, have this massive queue of, of metadata and rules on how to move things around based on that metadata. That makes sense. Right. Cause it, at some point, the physics are, are the physics of how you get the data, of how you get data. And the thing that you're going to do is just be smarter about positioning the data or making it, you know, give, giving you the shortest path to that data, you can't actually make a disk drive that much faster at, at some point. Sure, and, and some of the nuances um, are, as you mentioned, we don't have to replicate everything. Um, it, it really depends on the policies that the enterprise sets. So I'll, I'll give you another example. You may hit, an, a, a, let's say, a K-mesh uh, node, and there may be data resident there, but they, they may also be uh, a pointer that says, hey, the data is not here, but you need to go hunt for it uh, at a different edge node. That, that, that kind of behaves a little bit like a, a, how a CDN would operate. But again, this is at a, at a different layer. It's at the data layer. So the, the, the enterprise sets uh, the policies for when they actually physically move the data around or where they just set pointers to say, if, you, if it's not here, go look at it, look for it over here. So there, there's you know, the, the details there. And this strikes me as an intersection with how CDNs work to an extent, because what you're what you're describing is a cache miss, right? So so the data's you you always can get the data. You just might not get the performance you need initially, and then you you pull it in. And Kubernetes works very similarly from a container perspective, right? If the containers are changing and there's a cache miss, it's going to take longer that first time. But after the containers spun up, it's it's relatively straightforward to replicate from that perspective. Absolutely, yeah, and, that, and that's actually why in one of our blog posts we we say Kubernetes and KMesh were like peanut butter and jelly because um, we're again one's at the app layer, one's at the data layer, but you you actually have the the model uh, both both are very similar. So, do you see things that are coming missing? You know, where does Kubernetes need to go to take advantage of this type of technology? Yeah, um, uh, you know, I was uh, I was having a good conversation with. Uh, um, head of products over at, at Pivotal, um, who's who are actually one of the leaders in this kind of uh, Kubernetes space. I, I think everyone is kind of a leader in the Kubernetes space these days. Um, 
you know, I, I think the, the industry has, again, uh, agreed that Kubernetes is, is, is the way to go, which is fantastic. It, it helps us to move forward. But the actual implementation and rolling it out into, into commercial and GA things, you'll start seeing that over the next 12 to 18 months. So from our side, at least, you know, we, we have a, a custom, you know, a custom plugin, um, that works with Kubernetes where, uh, you know, uh, customers can just put, put this in and, and, you know, now again, it, it's integrated and we're actually working to certify it through the Kubernetes marketplace. Um, but we wanted to, to make this as easy as possible to integrate, um, with, uh, with uh, Kubernetes out there. So, but, uh, you know, I think of Kube, of storage with Kubernetes as nascent. Right, I, it's one of those where we're, we, we're sort of getting networking right with some plugins, and, and I know that we've just been standardizing on store, you know the storage components, extracting the storage APIs. Is that essential for your work, or is that something that just helps accelerate it? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I think I think right now, um, not uh, I don't want to offend my competitors or whatnot. But like storage linked to Kubernetes is kind of dumb. It just kind of sits there. And uh, it's useful for, uh, again, like these stateless apps where maybe it's just a, a game or something like that. Um, but, but in actual situation, real-time situations where data has to flow and function in a, in a highly dynamic app, um, I think that's why we're in business. And that's why we're focused on, uh, on uh, supporting real-time, real applications uh, moving forward. Yeah, that, I, I agree with you. I, I think that Kubernetes, storage in Kubernetes is not, was not a primary design win. Um, I'm saying that and it's going to get people pissed off. Come on, everybody. You know, container storage was not really that that part of much part of the design. Um, and we're, we're figuring out the right way to do it. Um, I, I would say the same thing with virtual machines. We solve the problem just by virtualizing the disks and moving the disks around. And that's not application storage. It's disks. Um, so how do we how do we make Kubernetes, you know, besides just saying, oh, we want the containers and the stuff we put in the containers that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about application data. How do you make Kubernetes workloads smart about getting that data, or do you just let them be dumb and make the system smart underneath? I, I, I mean, I, I think the answer, the, the self-serving answer from from our part is you, you work with Gamesh, and we we can we can help you. Um, <laughs> well, well, let me let me be specific. So I'm writing an app, um, and and I. And that I'm expecting that application to run in multiple locations. So I've, I've got a hybrided app and that could be multiple you know, regions for a single cloud vendor. It could be on premises. It could be edge where I'm distributing to thousands of locations. How do I build an application to get data the right, you know, securely is always important, but you know, I, I need the data for whatever I'm running in that location to be location specific or at least performance relative, you know, instead of just centralizing. So I, I'm, I'm trying to give you a, a, a specific use case that I'm thinking of, or maybe an anti-pattern, right? If I have a thousand edge data centers and I'm running a container that services the local user, which is what we want to do for edge, I don't want that, that container tromboning back to Amazon or some centralized cloud, doesn't have to be Amazon, my internal storage halfway across the planet to pick up you know, the state of that user's information, I'm going to try and bring it local. I need to bring it local. Um, IoT devices are going to be even more so where they're generating data. I can't send it all to the cloud. How do you solve those problems? How, how I mean, it, and I'm fine to have talk about it in KMS terms because I think that, you know, your expertise in solving this problem is relevant. 
Yeah, I think you you kind of answered that well, maybe like a couple sentences ago. Ago, I think Kubernetes was originally architected and designed with the twenty uh, year old pattern of centralized data lakes, um, which is yes, we're doing a great job. We're we're putting apps and services on the edge, but the data is still always you know somewhere. Um, and what we're coming along is basically saying no, 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 uh, that's great, but now you got to do exactly uh, for data what you just did for apps, and it has to live uh, on the edge. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of what we're, we're what we're pushing on the market right now. But is there something like when I'm I'm dealing with Kubernetes and Kubectl that that I can think through in advance to say, all right, I'm going to put you know extra controls or containers or sidecars. Is there something that I can make my applications smarter, lo- you know, location or data smart applications? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have an answer for that for that one. <laughs> I, nobody else does. I'm not. I'm not trying to bait you. It's this is this to me is is where we're we're clearly moving into a place where Kubernetes is going to be this dominant platform on on edge infrastructure, and we're going to run a lot of workloads in it. And the questions that that you're trying to fix, right, with data and performance and locality, I I think. You know, we're we're just beginning to to figure it out, right? The answers are going to come from people like you, from companies like Kimash. Uh, uh, yeah, and that's just that's just the reality reality of it. So I'm I'm trying to to see what tea leaves you can help us read. I, I'll I'll tell you just recent conversations that I've had. Most I'll say most of the conversations are still focused on oh, how do I move data from edge to, to central cloud? Um, and I think everyone realizes that, that 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 has to happen. There's some processing that happens at the edge because you don't want to be moving terabytes or petabytes off of the central cloud when it's unnecessary. I think the, the, the majority of people are still stuck there. I would say some of the smarter uh, 5G folks, and I'll, I'll again, I'll actually say it, it's an edge gravity. So not I'm not tooting your horn. I'm actually telling the truth, are thinking about the next step out. and. Uh, you know, how are we going to do this on the edge to edge? And so there are, you know, conversations there where, um, you know, kind of a, that, that car driving down the road use case where we're working with, uh, with various 5G players to solve that exact problem. And, and that's, uh, the, the kind of the bleeding edge right now. Um, and, you know, it, it you know, it is the network latency, the 5G network latency going to be good enough to be able to, to support this? And what if the, the car was driving at a hundred miles per hour? You know, these are the, these are the kind of questions that we're, uh, you know, uh, bleeding edge trying to figure out right now with 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 uh, with five G players like yourselves. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I mean, from from what I see, from an application perspective, people are, are you know, not there's there's no platform answer yet. Um, and actually, one one of the things that I know we're we're just out of, out about out of time. I'm interested. I'm interested in how the SaaS component plays in because at some point Edge is going to be distributed, um, not centralized. So does the SaaS play into the distributed component too? Oh, what specifically concerning SaaS? So I, I know KMesh is delivered as a SaaS. Do you have a non-SaaS version or an Edge, something where you're thinking to be more distributed from an Edge perspective? Oh, a good question. Yeah, so um, let's, let's divvy that up into control plane and data plane. Um, so, uh, you know, we at, again, KMS specific, we don't own POPs. We don't ha- have our own network infrastructure. At the end of the day, we're just pure software, right? So the, the software gets deployed into the enterprise customer, into the enterprise themselves or into the 
uh, cloud service provider or whoever actually deploys it. It's their software, their environment, uh, their security rules, their firewalls. Now, the only SaaS component from our side is actually the, the central admin um, console, the control plane, which basically sets the policies and says, hey, there's a node over here, there's a, a data node over here, a data node over here, and this is how the data should flow. Now, we are getting requests um, for uh, different reasons, like uh, certain ISPs and certain MSPs for data sovereignty reasons or, or whatnot um, want to deploy our software specifically in a large enterprise, specifically in a, in a single cloud provider. And so we are exploring those models. And, and the good thing is it, it's software. So we are flexible enough to be able to support uh, the, the specific needs of the market. But I will tell you, you know, coming out of, you know, talking to uh, uh, a cloud provider in Japan and another one in, in Switzerland. They're like, nope, nope. For our rules, you must we must control all the software, you know, from from our uh, from our perspective, and we're perfectly happy to work with, uh, with 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 the market that way. Good. Well, that, that's important to know. I uh, we you know for RackN we do on premises software, and and we have very similar conversations with customers who uh, want the control and and have valid reasons for it. Uh, Cloud isn't always the the single answer for every every question. I, I agree with that, that's, and that's why I was curious. It, as I feel like as as we talk more about edge and edge infrastructure, um, some of these models where we just assume we can centralize everything in a shared in a shared resource um, don't fit. Um, and it's it's always interesting to look look at the um, edges of those models. Uh, reusing the word edge, but it makes sense. Yep. So I told you, Jeff, he, he would always want to keep going. Um, so Jeff, if uh, any of our listeners are interested to learn more about uh, yourself, your company, where should they go? Sure. It's, uh, it's very simple. Kmesh.io. Um, you can email us at info at, at uh, kmesh.io. And uh, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for the interest and thanks for the opportunities to, to, uh, to, to speak today. Great. Well, thanks to both of you. Another great podcast. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this. And as usual, we always ask if you're interested in hearing from a company or someone that you uh, like to learn about, reach out to us and uh, we'll reach out and find those people for you and, and get them on the podcast. And uh, to both of you, have a uh, great, new, healthy, was it healthy, happy, safe New Year's? I think we have to add all this stuff in. So, um, and uh, Jeff, we look forward to keeping track of your company and maybe in a couple months, we'll have you back on to kind of give us an uh, update of where you're at and what's going on. Terrific. Thank you.